Welcome to episode 19 of Don't Be Strangers, a series of collaborative conversations that focuses on learning how to create agency in your life and manifest deeper connections. Think Humans of New York meets casual coffee chat. My name is Shinyi, and anyone of any background is welcome to apply to come on to co-host an episode. This is my invitation to you to consider applying. Or if you're not quite up for this sort of thing, you should consider joining our Pen Pals Club. All the information can be found on the Instagram page at Don't Be Strangers. Today, I'm speaking with Noor from Dubai, who is a fellow creative Chimera sister who does it all. I mean, she has a newsletter, a YouTube channel, and a podcast where she has interviewed over 25 upcoming artists to get to know the mysterious workings behind their creative process. In this conversation, we cover topics such as 1. Productivity and anxiety, 2. Her favorite hack for creative productivity, 3. What it means to truly travel, for our creative parents, and five, her current struggles. I don't want to steal any more of her thunder, so I'll let her explain more about herself. Thanks for having me on this uh, podcast. My name is Noor. I am a graphic designer. I currently work in Dubai, and I'm also a content creator, so I make videos on YouTube. I had a podcast, which I currently have hiatus, where I interviewed digital artists, and uh, I do a lot of art. I'm, that's what my... Um, channel on YouTube is about. It's called Design Draw Do. I have a ethos of what I like to call productivity, so creativity plus productivity. Um, I literally came up with that like two weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So yeah, that's kind of me. And and I recently released a email newsletter as well because I really like writing and I really wanted to get back into it. So yeah, that's me. So I've been following you actually for quite a while, like quite a few years since lavender days since i found you on lavender okay yeah because i was yeah. gonna ask you like how did we how do we know each other yeah, <laughs> yeah i think i just followed you on instagram and then we somehow became mutuals over the years i've noticed that you do like so much and i'm personally wondering how do you deal with like overwhelming anxiety so i think my first counter question off of this was immediately like what what have you observed? Like, what do you mean by so much? What have, like, from your perspective, just a fellow internet user, what have you observed that I have done? Well, personally, I mean, over the years, you, I believe when you were on the Lavender podcast, you were doing some kind of science. I'm really bad at sciences, so <laughs> please forgive me for my ignorance, but you were working as an engineer or something, or you were coding at the same time, uh, and you're also into, like, astrology, and you're into this podcast, and you're doing the pen pal thing. And you're tra- like you're traveling, right? Like we'll get onto that later, I'm sure. But you know, like you're doing so much. <laughs> That's a lot to me. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, no, I I am still a full time programmer. Um, that is my day job. Um, so I haven't left that field yet. But I think in terms of dealing with overwhelm and anxiety, um, definitely this is probably like the basic productivity management tool that everyone uses. But just like having lists like I live off of lists and and a calendar um and I'm very analog so I just love like the tactile response of being able to cross things off and I don't know if you can relate to this but sometimes if I start my to-do list later in a day and I've already accomplished 
some small wins earlier in the morning, for example, I'll go ahead and write them down anyways, just so yeah. I can cross them off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also having a calendar too, just so that I can keep my sanity. But in terms of like doing a lot, it's also my solution to another problem, which is uh, my solution to boredom. Because I also derive a lot of anxiety from boredom, which I think is could be considered problematic to a certain degree because when I talk to my little sister, for example, she, I feel like she is the like master of relaxation because she she says that like when she wakes up and there's like nothing to do, she feels the most alive. And oh when she introduced that idea to me, I was just so shook. I was like, wait, Seriously, what? Because I get so anxiety like like just injected with just like <laughs> nervousness being like wait there's nothing to do I'm like missing something I need to be doing something or yeah, have exactly. a direction or something so I remember like one day shortly after she told me confessed that to me I actually tried to like take a day where I like purposely had no direction where I was like I am not allowed to agenda anything for myself today and I'm just gonna trust my feelings <laughs> or like yeah I'm trying to like reproduce whatever my sister does I, you know, I'm just trying to yeah. um, imagine what it could be like and so yeah I do a lot because it's my solution to my anxiety that is generated when I get bored but then of course sometimes I do get overwhelmed by the stuff that I put on my plate but all of it is also if you think about it, all of it is also just made up, right? Like, I think I need to uh, release an episode every week, for example. But do I really need to? Like, does anyone really care if I continue this project, really? Like, <laughs> I, I enjoy doing the project, but if I do start feeling overwhelmed by it, is it really worth putting applying that sort of pressure on myself, right, to keep producing um, if it's starting to become a detriment to my health or like my mental right. health right right so it's, it's slightly different when you like okay maybe you're not doing this as work but I was thinking about in my case like YouTube for example I do want to take it forward to monetization right so you have to kind of do weekly outputs which to be honest I'm fine with like I really enjoy making YouTube videos but it does take a toll right so it's kind of like you can say that when you're not monetizing or when you're not thinking of it as work but when you start to kind of shift your hobbies or your passions into work, then, you know, you kind of st start to have to kind of balance it and figure out where's the line, you know? Right. Yeah, it's true. But then I think for myself, just being able to remind myself that that these deadlines are arbitrary, even if there is like a financial aspect to it on the other side. If we're speaking, I would assume that <laughs> we're fortunate enough to be living within some uh, realm of abundance and therefore mm -hmm. the deadlines are kind of arbitrary and that if, if the stress is starting to become detrimental, that maybe you should step back and like remind yourself that these deadlines are made up or like maybe you can kind of adjust some things in your schedule because because like even with my actual like physical work like I have come to realize that no one really has a good grasp of like what is my true productivity or velocity and when when I look at that because you can never predict the amount of problems that will come up as you're 
as you're solutioning anything, like whether it's design or like engineering, you cannot predict the fact that like maybe your client is is going to be delayed like two days because they suddenly fell sick and they have a requirement that you cannot proceed, you know, with the design until they get back to you with that requirement. And so small things like this adds up. And so understanding that productivity is relative, you know, like that is a very tangible example is a good way for me to help me manage like overwhelming anxiety for me to be able to step back and just be like, none of this is really that serious at the end of the day, right? And like, even if you, if you are monetizing your creative outlet, such as YouTube, that you have control of that schedule, too so yeah that's cool so it's like a mindset shift basically yeah exactly yeah Yeah. what are your thoughts on this and like what were your thoughts on it like prior to me explaining my perspective how do I deal with it I don't that's why I asked the question I don't Uh Um, I think I've gotten better over the years I think again it probably comes with maturity right like as you get older you start to realize like because I'm 23, right? So it's not been that long ago since I was a teen or like since I was in uni, right? Just that over the last few years, I've kind of had that shift of going from being a teenager to being an adult. And it's kind of like, it really shifts. Like you stop caring less about like everything. You're just kind of like, this doesn't matter. Like whatever you're thinking and whatever you're having anxiety about, it doesn't really matter. Like it matters to some extent, but not as much as you think it matters. (laughs) Like... Which makes it easier, actually, to just kind of deal with life. And yeah, I mean, I really admire personalities like your sisters, where it's just like you just go through life easy breezy. I'm like, wow, that is goals. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, how? Do you journal or anything for? Like- yeah, I've started getting into it in kind of like the beginning of the CII. I started. It's going well. Um, even if it's like two lines, I'll just write something, and I'm happy. I'm happy to see like as the dates build up. Like I'm writing. Eight, nine, ten. It's like nice, you know? <laughs> Are you trying to make it a daily habit then? Yeah, kind of. Like, it's nice because in 2022, I think I've started not, I don't have New Year's resolutions, but it just kind of happened that it, I started in December and then it kind of just carried on into 22. Um, like, I've been doing morning yoga, which has been nice. And then after that, I journal when I'm having breakfast. So, yeah, that's kind of my routine. And because I have a full time job, which is like very fixed, um, it's nice to have that schedule and that routine, at least during the work mm. days. Yes, yes, for sure. Actually, while we're kind of like on this line of thought, I'd love to know what are your favorite tools, resources, or hacks for personal development and growth? Yeah, I mean, obviously you use this as well, but like Notion, oh my God, sponsor me, please. Like Notion, I love you. (laughs) Like I've just moved my whole life onto Notion, you know, and I literally every single time I'm talking with a friend, I will spend at least five minutes talking about Notion because they always have some issue that can be solved by using Notion. I swear, like whether it's like, you know, productivity issues or like reading, like, you know, they can start tracking their reading lists on Notion or like whatever it is, you know, like it's great. Um, So I think what I like in particular about Notion and also with just cloud-based services in general is that I can just work on the go because a lot of the time I'm in the metro, like I'm on commuting basically. So it's really nice when I'm just on my phone because my my thoughts kind of go at like a mile a minute. So as soon as I have a thought, I need to write it down. So the great thing about cloud-based services like Notion is that I can write it on my phone and then it automatically updates as soon as I get to the office and like I see Notion on my computer and it's like, oh, hey, like I can just continue where I was working. You know, it's great. Um, It's the same with like any cloud. Like I use OneDrive as well, which is awesome. 
but anything like Google Drive or whatever you use, iCloud is, is also cool. Um, but what else do I, what else do I use? I personally actually, I found that um, at least this happens for me when I'm working full time, because obviously we have set hours that we have to go into work. And sometimes you don't always have work. Like w before I started working, I was under the impression that you literally work nine to six, but then I went into work and I realized uh, you don't actually work nine to six. Like you have a lot of time sometimes uh, when you're just not doing anything. And I think downtime is really crucial because you can search for stuff in that time because basically you know how we get distracted a lot i think that's actually a really helpful way to get inspired and get creative because it's during these moments of boredom that you start to get creative because you're like oh i'm bored i need something to entertain myself and what i'll tend to do is let's say i get an email newsletter from someone i follow and they recommend something so i click on a link and then that will lead me to something else like i'll click on oh what does this thing mean and that will lead me to something else. And that leads me to something else and something else. And I literally have a page on Notion called Rabbit Holes, where I literally have like a table of days that I have gone down a rabbit hole and I paste all the links in. So now I can refer back to it <laughs> when I need to, when I'm like, oh, what was that thing that I Googled the other day? I can just go back to it and say, oh, this is what it was. And it's great because I'm a content creator and I need like the inspiration. So it's great to have like all these databases where I have all this inspiration. Um, so that's why I really like having downtime at work because you can just get inspired because I don't get inspired when I sit down to do like get inspired. You know what I mean? When it's like, right. when I tell myself, okay, now it's time to make a video. No, that doesn't happen. You know, when, right. when I make a video, it's because I see, I'm, I write down an idea that I have come up with when I'm commuting on the Metro. Like I'll literally be in the Metro. I'll be staring at some lady and then I'll be like, oh, Hey, I have a great video idea. And then I'll just write it down. It'll take me like five seconds. Right. But then when I actually go to filming the video, I'm like, oh, I had this idea. This is a great idea. So I feel like it's in these really quiet moments that you actually get inspired and you should really utilize those moments and have tools that help you to utilize those moments. Oh, I love this idea of creating databases for yourself for when you get those inspirations. Yeah. Um, and I think that idea that you create like tables with dates for like all the links that you go down rabbit holes because I go down I'm sure everyone goes down rabbit holes but I don't save these because it's just like yeah, in the moment you know you're just like inspired and so you just keep like clicking links um but yeah maybe I'll I'll consider it but I think also I'm I'm trying to live a life where I'm trying to filter the amount of information that I consume too just because it's so overwhelming right oh, yeah. um yeah. it's so easy it's so easy to get into a habit of pure consumption without any production. And I feel like to be truly human, you have to balance both like consumption, being inspired, and then creation and production and like inspiring. So I feel like it would be wrong to like be on either extreme, like pure production, because what is the quality of your production if you're not, you know, consuming any like new information or data? Um, but then what is the point? Um, if you're only consuming but not like contributing anything like any of your ideas either so hmm. do you foresee yourself in your career as a graphic designer forever or do you do you see that like eventually you'll you'll pivot to something else um well I think the aim of my content creation is to like eventually take it full time because growing up I literally grew up on YouTube right like I was 11 or 12 when I first jumped on YouTube so growing up, I've seen like the whole evolution of YouTube and I've seen how people can like earn money and get a job literally through this. 
um, and it's completely feasible, it's completely viable as long as you put in that consistent effort. Um, so that is kind of my intention, but at the same time, I do enjoy working. I do enjoy working as a graphic designer. And I think to be honest, I'm still very like early on in my career to fix in stone what I want. Um, but I think full-time employment is something that's not necessarily a long-term plan because it is kind of limiting uh, as much as I enjoy it, especially when we started working from home during lockdown. It was just nice, you know, like having your own schedule and all of that. I mean, it's, it's nice to have a balance, like let's say two days working in the office, three days work from home. Like that's ideal. Uh, so yeah, as for the graphic design aspect, I think I just want to keep going down the creative route, whether that's as a graphic designer or something else, I don't know. Um, so that's, I guess that's why I put my hand in lots of different things like YouTube and podcasting and doing digital art and writing and whatever else. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I guess it's all still up in the air. Right. How long have you been in your job or career? I've been working for the last two years. And is the place that you're working at more like a consulting firm where you have like lots of different clients or is it more like industry where it's just like like a specific company doing one specific uh, field and and you're just designing for that company? So basically our company is an events agency. So we execute events for big brands like Adidas or Ericsson, Siemens, you know, like various different clients that we have. Um, so if they have like a, a launch event for like a, let's say Cadillac, they have a car launch event, like we can do that. Or Adidas, they have all these like brand stunts and things like that. Like we, we do events for that. Right. So stuff like that. So we basically take it from uh, planning to execution. So we have those different teams in our agency. So I work in the creative department, obviously. So we create like the I work in the 2D side. So we create like graphics like posters or lanyards or, you know, literal like agendas, like uh, T-shirts, whatever it may be, whatever they need um, on screen graphics, animations, things like that. Um, so that's the work that we we do, which is interesting. It's quite nice. Like um I've only been in this company actually for like six, nearly six months now um, before I worked in an architecture firm. So it was quite different, very like rigid and kind Whoa. of, yeah, yeah I, was, I was working in the marketing agency, sorry, marketing department of that firm. So obviously it's a lot, it's just like one brand. I'm just working with one brand. Whereas with this, it's like I'm working with various different brands, which can be overwhelming as well, but it's, it's fun. It's, it's good, I think, to get lots of different experience when you're in your early stage. Um, so you can understand what you want to do, right? It actually does sound really fun, like the event coordination aspect of it. But I also imagine that the turnaround for these sort of projects would be kind of fast or no? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's um, to be honest, I'm really happy I don't work in production because like they, those guys, I swear, like they're, they're always like working on the weekends or like they're going on site to work. And like these events, you know, they're in the evenings and stuff. And I like having my personal time. You know, it's nice. Right. Um, but yeah, you do have to work weekends sometimes, but it's fine. It's very flexible. It's kind of like you can work from home. You can, you know, get weekends off, like day, days off if you've worked on the weekend. But um, what I wanted to know actually from your side is like, I work in a full-time job, but you're like the complete opposite. You have like a nomadic lifestyle. And I think that's so cool. And I really wanted to know like why you got into that and more about that. I actually work a full-time job. I actually work a nine to five. Okay. But you, you travel as well. Right, exactly. Because I have been able to structure my life and I negotiated for this position so that it is it is nine to five, but I have full flexibility. I negotiated for full remote and 
to be quite honest, and I've confessed this in a previous um, podcast, that I don't work the full eight hours. Actually, most days now, I try to work less than two hours a day if I can. Wow. Full confession, like pe- people, my friends ask me like, and then you only log two hours. I'm like, no, I log eight hours because <gasps> during the pandemic, um, I had this realization that I was just getting so sick of like my nine to five that I was like, um, I need to quit. Like, I don't know what's on the other side, but I'm just so sick of it that I, I need to quit. And then I also had this adjacent realization that it, it didn't really matter if it was something that I loved. Um, it could be like this full podcast, for example. I could not, um, and maybe it's just like a personality defect or whatever. That I just cannot imagine doing 40 hours of this a week, nor can I even imagine like 20 hours of this a week. It's just... I'm so creative chimera that I just need to be involved in like different things all the time. And if you really truly think about like our education system into like basically non-transition into a career, it's like from school, you, you're you always like switching subjects and and you're always like moving between semesters or trimesters depending on however your education system is structured. So basically there's always change, like change is inevitable and therefore your mind is always, it's always engaged. But then you move into a career where it's like, forget about like the, you know, however many subjects you've studied, now you're just going to focus in, you're just going to get really good at coding in like my, <laughs> in my case, or you're just going to get really good at like creatively problem solving for clients for events, for example. Yeah. And, but like as humans, we need to exercise like, and explore, I think like a variety of things that's just mm-hmm. like, okay, even though you're super like, creatively invested you're asking me about nomading so like you have I assume you have some curiosity for like travel too and so like that's that's something that like maybe you want to also explore as as a complex human being and so my beef with like the way that society and career is set up is just like I don't think it makes sense for anyone to do 40 hours of anything um, unless unless you're one of those like prodigies that's like I only play violin 80 hours a week and then I do like (laughs) my world renowned performances and I you know like unless you're one of those exceptions I I would guess that the majority of you guys listening fall within the I am curious about a lot of things and like I feel most alive when I can explore Mm. my many interests as a multifaceted human being and therefore yeah I, I came to this realization where I was just basically like I can't like even if it was my creative my own creative endeavors I would get bored of doing it 40 hours a week so my options really were like quit my 40 hour job and then like not have anything like on the other side or keep it and produce at like about two hours a day or whatever like high quality like focus time and like my company gets to keep me as an employee and I asked myself like would they would they rather that I quit or would they rather continue to get my work they don't need to know that's only two hours but like I'm still working for them and and then I just kind of concluded you know what for now I'll just keep working if it's like a crunch time or something I will put in the hours like I'll do whatever needs to be done because I want to like respect my team and like the project and stuff and our clients so like 
I will get the work done, but like I'm not gonna force myself to like miserably sit in front of my computer for eight hours a day thinking yeah. like I need to quit, I need to quit because like I hate sitting down for like eight hours a day in front of my computer. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair enough. I think because like because you said it's two hours of focus time, that's probably better than like eight hours of distracted time. Um, especially if you're just, if you've just got like a normal workload, like it's not too hectic or anything. Um, so yeah, I, to be honest, I respect that. Like, I think that's great. And I think obviously working from home allows you to do that, which is great as well. How does it work? Like this whole digital nomad lifestyle, like how do you find out about these things? How do you just pick up and go? Like what's your, what does your life look like? Is it like in a suitcase or <laughs> what's the technicalities? <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, well, I am home basing out of my parents' place in Dallas, Texas, and that is their preference because we are Asian. And so like it yeah. really wouldn't matter if I'm like 90 years old in their eyes, if they're still alive, I would still be their baby girl and yep. they would always want me around. But Relate. I need, but I am an adult and I need freedom and seeking novelty is like a core aspect of my personality and because I think it's tied very intimately with my need to um, study like truly I identify myself as like a student of life and therefore that's like the reason why I have such a keen interest in languages and cultures and stuff because it allows me to understand the world better. It helps me understand other people better and also to help me connect with other people better. Um, So the technicalities is, again, I home base out of my parents' place in Dallas. And then I have, I think I was inspired truly by a few friends I had in college who did study abroads. And then when they were doing study abroad in Europe, um, they would go and like do weekend trips or, you know, understanding the feasibility or being inspired by someone so close to you, like within your own friend group, you see the possibility of this, you know, it's not like, oh, some celebrity is doing it or some like influencer on YouTube. It's like, oh, I'm not an influencer or I'm not a YouTuber. So, but it's just like, it's just my friend at school, you know, she's, um, she's traveling around in Europe. So I think it was her who kind of planted the seed in my mind that I wanted to travel. At the beginning of my career, when I was when pre-pandemic, pre-remote, it was just truly like, you know, whenever I could take vacation um, for that week or two. But then I think I found an ad on Instagram years ago for this group called Remote Year, where they would do like this insane thing for an entire year where they would just move, move a group of people month by month into like different cities so they'll find the accommodations for you they'll like book the flights for you and everything it's it's pretty pricey and you have to like interview into the the group obviously because you don't want to be like with a stuck with a group of lunatics for a year um but when I found that like years ago I thought wow that would be the dream but it only seemed feasible for truly entrepreneurs was like what I was thinking at the time, like people who had their own business and therefore they could like work from anywhere, do whatever they want. Um, But with the advent of like remote and the pandemic, I would say this is like one of the best things that came out of the pandemic for me is like having, having the, the option for remote, the seed that I planted in my mind years ago, I was like, I think I can do it now, but like not for a year. And so I found like alternative alternative groups have like popped up based off of like that remote year concept that that offer like shorter stints. Um, 
up to like or down to the point of like one month so you could go with a group for one month and so I thought that would be a great way for me to explore different countries live in different countries in a way that is facilitated so it's not like I just moved to, you know, like I just moved to Japan by myself and I have to figure out like, you know, the Everything. how to navigate. Yeah. Um, whereas like the group will do a little bit of research for you. And then also within the group, you will find like-minded people mm -hmm. who are also digital nomads. And so some have more experience, some have less experience. And you can kind of lean on the people with more experience to be like, if you need help, like they will be like, oh, I've been doing this for five years. Like this is like how you need to pack, you know, or like wow, this is my advice. So, cool. um, so yeah, I'm not living exactly out of a suitcase because the way that I've been moving has just been like in and out of Dallas. And so yes, it's a suitcase, but then I get to like go home and kind of like drop things off of storage and like, but I know people who have been like, like I mentioned, like five years straight, like nonstop wow. on the road. That's and I crazy. think- yeah, like they truly are like backpack or suitcase, whereas I'm like, oh, I can definitely shop for like new clothes here because then like maybe I'll donate some and then I'll go home and then I'll like donate some there and kind of like shuffle out my closet and stuff. Technicalities wise, especially within the last six months, me being out of Mexico a lot, it's been really easy for me to because I'm just like so close to the States and so close to Texas specifically. Mm -hmm. Um and also my phone plan is seamless between the U.S. and Mexico. So, like, I haven't had to worry about getting, like, a SIM card or anything. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Did I answer your question? Because the, the question is so vague. <laughs> so. I think it's good. It's like you have the best of both worlds. Like, you know, like, you can go home and then you can come back. It's, it's nice. It's, it's kind of like being an international student, I suppose. Like. Yeah. <laughs> my next challenge, like, I would love, love, love to try to move, like, out – because I've been really like the reason why I picked Mexico was just trying to stay within this time zone. I would love to do Europe, which I think the time difference would still be manageable for work. Um, but then like the ultimate challenge would be Asia. Like I would love to do Asia, but like that that time difference. And I don't have a lot of meetings, so like most of it wouldn't need to be synced. Um, but yeah, it would be challenging if someone needed to do like a call. Like it would be in the middle of the night. So but I would you figure to, it out. It's fine. Where in Asia? Like Japan, like you mentioned? Or? So, yeah, I would love to do, honestly, Taiwan. But then also, like, I feel like the digital nomad destinations like Bali, Thailand, or whatever, all of those would be really cool as well. Also because, like, cost of living over there is just so cheap. So I would love to, like, take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, and just to experience it. Yeah. Why not? Where are you from? Sorry. I'm from Malaysia, actually, originally. Malaysia. Oh, yeah, cool. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. And then my family moved to the States like when I was seven, um, but it was just like my immediate family. So all my extended family yeah. are still in Malaysia. Yeah. Um, but we moved there because my little sister has like a congenital heart disease. So we moved for her surgery. Yeah, she's mm. great now. She's yeah. okay. Oh, that's good to hear. But are you like in touch with your culture? Um, I think that is a bit complicated because I do feel very like split cultured um, mm. having grown up in America. But then also because my parents themselves my dad is very very in touch with this culture but my mom is kind of not so much just because like she 
like for example she never truly learned uh, mandarin as like her mother tongue uh, or nor like like she can speak it both but like education wise she went through in malaysia like an Eng- like a british english school so she never had to like learn to read or write yeah. um chinese and then so I feel like it's very, very interesting because, like, Malaysia is, like, a melting pot of cultures, yeah. too. So it's not, like, if you imagine China, for example, very homogenous in mm-hmm. terms of, like, culture. Or Japan. Uh, I feel like Japan is super homogenous yeah, in terms of, like, true. culture. Um, but, like, yeah, Malaysia is already kind of a melting pot. And then true. from there being displaced into America, like, another melting pot. It's, like, third like, generation at that point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I feel... Like at this point, I'm creating like a culture for myself, like like the, a very diasporic, you know, like narrative for myself. That's just like I've just come to accept that like I'm kind of in between cultures mm. and like that's, that's okay. Cool. Yeah, that's completely okay. I used to feel very displaced like growing up naturally, like when you want to belong um, as like a child. Um, but now I'm just like, I think being unique is like the hip thing, right? Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I want to circle back because you mentioned something about um, work and like the production team having to like work weekends and like and nights and stuff. Um, I think you pointed out, you're like, but I like my, um, I like my free time. And so I would love to hear you describe your ideal weekend. My ideal weekend. It's funny when I was thinking about this question, which was like, literally like 10 minutes before the call (laughs) um I realized that to be honest my weekend is kind of like half working day because like my ideal weekend is I wake up early-ish and then I do like my full morning routine like yoga and writing and whatever nice breakfast having a nice breakfast is good you know like french toast or pancakes or something but anyways um um or brunch with like friends or like cousins or whatever that's like ideal I would say and then working like either working on designing stuff like posters or uh, editing a YouTube video normally I'll edit on weekends because I release my videos on Sundays so editing like I really enjoy the process of actually making a YouTube video Um, so editing or uh, writing or doing something work like personal work related on the weekend Um, and then at the end of the day I feel like I've earned a nice relaxing like youtube binge or k-drama binge or whatever you know (laughs) like whatever it is um with like a nice cup of tea because i love having tea at night like green tea or you know some kind of like chamomile some kind of herbal tea you know and just being all cozy with my salt lamp and just you know making it all cozy and then that's it the day ends like that is for me is great um alternatively of course like going out and traveling i mean i love that but um obviously like the pandemic's made it quite hard to do that um and yeah, that's it's either like traveling and like going somewhere completely new, which I'm completely fine with, or just having like a nice kind of stay at home slash go out in the local vicinity kind of. Wait, describe to me more about your travels and stuff um, pre-pandemic. Like what would you do if you were traveling for the weekend? So it's funny because um, we don't actually travel travel like in the sense that you travel uh, because my family really don't like traveling <laughs> like um, we're from India we're from South India so like the most we travel is literally we just go back to South India like that's okay. as far as my parents would go <laughs> um but like when I was like in the UK sometimes we would we would do day trips with like my friends and stuff when I was in uni um which is nice like it's funny because like the UK is such a tiny place but people it's kind of like America people just don't visit other places like if you're from London, generally people don't leave London. <laughs> like, so, like, it's really funny. But 
I found it's really nice because you you find all these different places and um, it's just the UK is a very tiny country, but each city and each place is just so different. It's crazy. Like you'd expect that from America, where it's like you have different states and okay, like every state is different. But like in the UK, it's tiny. It's like this big, you know. It's like <laughs> it's just so tiny, and yeah, it's so fascinating because. Um, I think you mentioned earlier about how you travel to like learn and and kind of understand more about the world, and it's so true. Like honestly, it's wow. Like there's so much that you, you can't explain what it is that you learn yeah. when you travel. Even even just in your local area, and you start finding out about your local places, and you're like, oh hey, this thing existed. I didn't even know that. That's so cool. Right. Um, and you just kind of get this roster of knowledge about your you know your lo- your locality, and especially because I live in Dubai. Uh, obviously people come here a lot and they're like oh where's the place to go so obviously now that i've traveled a lot around dubai it's kind of like oh this is the local place like don't go to dubai mall because that's where all the tourists are go to this place because it's like you know it's cool and not many people are that kind of thing so i think traveling doesn't necessarily have to be like booking a plane ticket and now obviously doing pcrs and whatever else um it can just be getting on a bus and seeing where it goes you know (laughs) For sure. No, I love that mentality because um like I have that I have that approach to Dallas as well because I think pre my adventures like globally um I had this perspective that like obviously growing up in Dallas I thought well there's nothing in Dallas like I need to I need to get out like I need to yeah. move somewhere else right. but then the truth was like after I I did like travel around a bit like to New York like domestically like New York City and like San Francisco and stuff but then also internationally like Australia New Zealand Japan I kind of came back to Dallas with this realization that every city is really more or less the same but what made them unique is just truly your own mindset and approach to the city like New York City is only exciting because of like to me the quote-unquote novelty like oh and therefore when I enter New York City I'm thinking I need to like look up all the cafes like I need to look up like places to see places to take photos at um but then honestly I could do this with Dallas even if I've lived there my entire life I can start like you know pulling up a list like where are the cafes I need to go visit um you know like where are the cool Instagrammable like locations I need to take photos at and yeah that's what I did and now I would say that if uh if you play video games um like I have 100% like completed the map of Dallas (laughs) like more or less like to the point where um, I have explored like every single cafe in, and I don't know the conversion, so I'm gonna look it up right now. Because I'm gonna say like 30 miles, but like only the US like use this. Um, every <laughs> every cafe in like a driving um, 50 kilometer radius of my house, and so Whoa. I have like That's yeah, crazy. and so like at this point, like I'm waiting for new cafes to come up to like explore but it's uh like only so many businesses can open you know (laughs) so you have probably contributed single-handedly to like 10 percent of dallas's cafe economy (laughs) yeah probably (laughs) um and so you know like i i view myself like traveling away from dallas as like a way for dallas to grow so that like when i go back it can be exciting again (laughs) so i can like observe the changes and be like oh this wasn't here like three months ago that's awesome (laughs) you find that the cities i mean i guess you're only away for like three months at a time but 
Do you find that the city feels different or it's changed when you go back? It's not drastically different in like a span of three months, but like a lot can also happen in three months too. So like there are, I would say like a good number of new businesses that do pop up in like a three month period. Mm-hmm. So at the very least, um, at the very least, I get to like go see these places. But then, um, but then even if I'm not revisiting Dallas for something new it's also nostalgic because it's been like a long enough window of time to be like you know like this doesn't feel like I was just here yesterday anymore yeah I think (laughs) that's more what I meant with the question it's more like do you feel mentally it's different like do you feel like yeah 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 yeah, I completely understand like even when we go on holiday like we'll when we were younger we used to stay for like a month or something in India and then we'd come back to the UK and I just remember that feeling of like coming back from the airport and just being in the car and being suddenly surrounded by like because where we're from in india it's like completely green tropical very luscious mm. very similar to malaysia actually when we go back to the uk it's suddenly like there's like autumn leaves like we come back at like september time so it's like autumn leaves and it's like very gray and like there's all, it's just completely <laughs> different vibes and it's like it's a different feeling and the air is different and like the smell is different and it's just it's not bad it's just different and it's it just yeah. like kind of hits you you know like Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a really strange feeling. It's kind of one of those indescribable feelings, you know? Were you born in India or were you born in the UK? Um, I mean, my story is a bit complicated. I was born in Saudi, um, actually Saudi Arabia. (laughs) Um, And then my family moved to India for like a couple of years. And then my dad got a job in the UK. Um, And then we moved to the UK. So I, I mean, I basically, to keep it short and simple, I say I was born and brought up in the UK just to not complicate it. Um, (laughs) So yeah, we just moved around a lot in the UK and then eventually we settled down in Manchester, which is like a city in the north mm-hmm. of England. And uh, yeah, that was that. And then I completed all my studies there. And then uh, my family, my dad got a job here in Dubai. Some family relocated here. And then I decided to just come here and try my luck for a job after graduation. And now here I am, just like two or three years later. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So are you staying with your family then? or Yeah. Okay. It's, I mean, living costs here are crazy, so, yeah. Right, 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 right. I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> so do you imagine yourself staying in Dubai, like, long-term, or would you eventually, like, you having moved around a bit already mm. and, like, seeing some of the world, like, knowing yeah. what is potential out there? Yeah, I mean, I really like Dubai. I think it's a great place for me personally. Um, but at this point, I feel like I do kind of want to go back to the UK and experience being in the UK as an adult because I grew up there as a child so it's very different living in a place as an adult because you start seeing the real world you know what I mean right 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 right. exactly so I really want to experience that you know so yeah Yeah. I do want to go back at some point I'm just looking for the right moment you know because I like working here and and I've only been in the job a few months so you know maybe in next few years let's see what happens (laughs) see yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, where else would you like to travel, though? Like, maybe not live, but just visit mm. as vacation. I mean, everywhere. Come on. Like, <laughs> Asia. Um, <laughs> especially in Dubai, I think it's it's a really accessible location. So, like, you can pretty much go yes. anywhere in the world. And it's, like, it's like the best place to be, right? Because it's literally the center of the world. So there's a lot of places mm-hmm. in, like, Central Asia that's quite easy to get to. Like, Armenia, Georgia. Um, all the place names have just gone out of my head now, which is very convenient. <laughs> Um, but like Central Asia, Turkey, it's quite easy to get to. Uh, there's places in Africa that's easy to get to, uh, you know, and then Maldives, um, the Indian side, subcontinent, 
Singapore, Malaysia, obviously, like I have a lot of Malaysian friends, so I Malaysia's on my bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Asia, like, yeah, Japan, Korea. This is, I think this is an interesting question. I mean, it has no relation to what we were talking about, but who are your like creative parents? And what I mean by that is like mentors or inspirations. I, I found this question quite challenging, actually, because <laughs> I don't think I think I... I don't really have or I don't really cling on to idols in terms of, oh, this is like the person's path that I want to follow. But two figures that come to mind, like historical figures, and it's not like I even follow their work really closely, but what I latch on to is the fact that they're creative chimeras as well, Leonardo da Vinci and uh, Benjamin Franklin. And it's just like, it, it makes me wonder too, like, was it easier in the past to be able to explore different ideas or is it actually easier yeah, now because right? I, I feel yeah. like there are limitations in both worlds one being like i think in the past it really your limitations are by like um your your position in society for example like because if you were born um lower in society then it would be really hard to get resources um yeah. to explore different realms of like education for example um but then at the same time i think like in the past, there were less... Like, there were less jobs titles, in a way? So, one person... Yeah, yeah, like, there were less, like, categories. Yeah. And so, yeah, there, yeah. there was more to explore. Like, it was more cowboy, I guess. Like, cowboy. Um, <laughs> interesting way of putting it. Um, but then, at the same time, if you think about it, in their minds, in the world that they were living in, things must already be defined for them as well. In these, like broader scopes right and then through time and technology and innovation we've got we've come to like present day where we have like these more specific niches of like knowledge um Mm. and we're and i'm looking at as like a layman like looking at these like specific niches of knowledge and thinking like that's it like it was easier in the past to like create like or explore or um sub you know, like diverge and find Mm -hmm. something new when in reality, there's still things that we don't know about either. So I I, I felt like I took your question in a completely different direction. No, but it's cool. I think, I think to be honest, like what you're talking about, the algorithm has a lot to do with it as well. Like, right. You know, like, I mean, at least from a content creator's perspective, it's kind of like you're, you have to create in a specific genre or a specific niche, otherwise people aren't going to follow you. And in the same way, if a person who's just a follower, like if they're just consuming, they start to follow one person and then suddenly the algorithm's like, oh, hey, you like this stuff? Here's more stuff by other people. But the same stuff, right? right? Like more paintings or more cat videos or whatever, right? Like, and then you just start, you just start getting pigeonholed into this thing. But obviously people, I mean, companies use that to their advantage with all the crazy stuff that happens with big tech and like how they use it to manipulate voters or whatever you know like right <laughs> it's crazy but I think the reason I asked that question is because um it's more like I was thinking of it more from a perspective of you can take aspects of different things from people you like so for example like if you like someone's morning routine like whatever like an influencer that you like on YouTube you can take that but you can also take a famous artist that you like in history you can take their 
painting style and like you know you can kind of just swipe things from different people not just like religiously following some like one person you know this concept was introduced to me by the draftsman podcast which is a great art podcast for anyone listening i was introduced to like a similar idea in the book um skill like an artist by austin cleon also fantastic book for creatives and he also had this idea of like keeping a swipe file swipe where file. you just yeah. go, go through your like um everyday life and like if you see something that inspires you just like you know take note of it and i can't think of specific people who i've like taken like morning routines from per se but I would say that the majority of my influences and this is common sense but the majority of my influence are my friends um because I got into journaling because I had a friend who was super into journaling and I thought hey let me try this out I would also say that like a majority of my friends too are creative chimeras and I think you are too like with what you've described to me yeah. in terms of like wanting to like dip your hands into everything um and so me observing like what they're exploring right now like definitely piques my interest because I already have like a higher affinity for these people and like a huge bias towards these people as well so if they're telling me things like oh I started a pottery class um if I get like multiple re-exposure to this from like different friends you know um then I then I start to think like should I be taking a pottery class? Because I trust these people and I value their opinion. So I'm thinking there's some value that they're getting out of pottery and like I need to explore it maybe. Why not? Just it's a natural like- algorithm. <laughs> That's really interesting. It's interesting you say that because um, cause since I moved to Dubai, like I don't have like many friends around me and obviously pandemic made it harder to interact with friends. So for me, especially like, like I said, growing up on YouTube, YouTube is actually, became, this is kind of sad actually, now I say it out loud, but YouTubers became like, especially the ones who consistently put output and like, you can feel the genuine vibes from people, right? So like, there are specific YouTubers who I look up to and I mean, I don't take morning routines from them, but I'll take like inspiration from them, you know? And right. like, whatever they say or whatever they endorse, like for example, trying up Notion, I tried it out because Thomas Frank suggested it. He's like a productivity guy. And I was like, oh, maybe I should try it out. And also Ali Abdal was talking about it. So I was like, oh, two guys who I really like, you know, they're talking about it, so I should try it out. And that's how my life changed in that aspect, you know? So for me, it's kind of like the people I trust are also included, like they it also includes like content creators or whatever. I would love to know what's something that you're struggling with currently. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we kind of touched on it. It's about like juggling with priorities and kind of, focusing on one or or maybe not focusing on one like you were talking about we're both like creative chimeras and to be honest that's actually I really love that phrase and like I felt like more affinity towards you when you used when you started using that phrase I was like oh my god this is such a cool thing like I didn't even know it existed um so it's kind of like do I focus or do I not like do I specialize or not basically um it's a it's an interesting kind of dichotomy I suppose like I don't know it's it's either like the the narrative that's kind of pushed is like you should specialize and everything is kind of favoring that but at the same time you have people like da vinci or recently my newest creative parent or creative older sibling that i have acquired in the family is uh the late virgil abloh so he was the uh creative director of louis vuitton um and he was like a real kind of revolutionary in his field like he studied architecture but then he wanted to do fashion design he's a contemporary of kanye west like him and kanye interned at a fashion company i can't remember which one um and then that's how they kind of started together and so he virgil was 
a DJ, he worked on graphic design, he worked on furniture, he collabed with IKEA, you know, he did like art galleries and shows. He was literally a creative chimera. And I think that's so inspiring because it's like, okay, you see these people doing it, but then it's like, wait, why can't I do that? Why doesn't the world reward me for doing that? Like, why is why are people telling me to specialize, you know? So it's just interesting. Like, how, how do some people make it and, and some people don't, you know? I definitely felt that struggle intensely um, prior to me finding the label of creative chimera for myself. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, the, the narrative that we're all pushed is that to make it, you have to niche. But then it's not... It's not that simple. And again, going back to my argument that like we're not we're not single layered, we're multifaceted. Um, so I would love to be able to normalize this idea or make or even like turn this into a niche, whatever. Like if we have to play the game, like turn creative chimera into a niche. Like the niche is like the the Leonardo da Vinci's or whatever, the Renaissance like student artist. Um, Why not? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then like and to make it searchable and algorithmable, I guess. Yeah. That's like, hey, I want to see more people who are doing like doing it all because yeah, like, doing it all. I can't yeah. I can't relate with people who only do one thing. Literally, yeah, me too. It's crazy. I'm like, how do you not get bored? Like, like I see them doing the same thing like years and years. You know, you scroll on their feed and I'm like, wow. I mean it's impressive. Like it's it's great. But I'm also <laughs> just like, no, I could never Okay, I need to ask you the question. Um how do you define a stranger and at what point do they transition from being one to not being one? That is so interesting. That is one of those crazy questions that you almost can't put into words. It's one of those things that I feel like you feel more than you know, right? So the question is, how do you define a stranger and how how do they transition to not being one? I feel like I think of it more visually. For me, a stranger is kind of like a blank. It's kind of like like a silhouette. Like they don't they don't have anything inside them because they're a stranger. Right? Like I don't know anything about them. So there's no feelings towards them. It's kind of like a white sheet of paper. Right. But then when they slowly start to transition into not being a stranger, like it's kind of like the, the paint gets layered onto canvas. You know, you start to add more and more and more to your relationship or in, in the same way, you can say that you are peeling more and more off um, to discover the thing that's underneath. Kind of like it's either the it, there's this analogy, like the architect or the archaeologist. I think Ali Abdal talked about it. Uh, it's basically I mean, it, it's not really relevant to this, what I'm talking about. But um, in the sense of either you're building up the relationship or you're uncovering the relationship. So either mm. like an architect, you're building it up or like an archaeologist, you're unpeeling it. Uh, unpeeling it? Peeling it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think for me, that's what not being a stranger is. And it it's just like, obviously, the longer you spend with that person, the, the more they become not a stranger. But at the same time, it's kind of similar to what you were saying about spending two hours of focus time on your work that's probably more productive. In the same way, we condensed, you know, a conversation that could have gone on for days into an hour. But like, you know, I don't think we're strangers at this point, right? So I think it's probably about the quality of time than the quantity of time you spend with that person um, to really at least transition from stranger into someone I'm comfortable with. I'm not going to say friend, but someone I'm comfortable with because I right. feel like friends kind of, meh. Like um, its own like category, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like someone I'm comfortable with could be anyone, right? Like it could be a cat. It could be anything, <laughs> right? Like, because cats take time to warm up as well, right? Yeah, it's no like, for sure. It's, it's, 
like I'm sure they, you know, we're strangers in the beginning to cats, and then after a while, you know, we start warming up, and they start warming up to us. And anyway, animals—it's a completely different bond. But yeah, I think I hope that answered your question. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love this because honestly, like when I started this podcast and like making this particular question the centerpiece of the conversations, like I had asked myself, like, how many conversations will I have before the answers start to repeat themselves? Or, you know, like how mm. many new perspectives can I get like every time that I ask this? But I will say that, um, I mean, I think I have like 15 episodes out and I've like recorded 17 and you're probably 18 um, that like no one has ever created like an analogy, a visual analogy with what you were describing there. And I was like, oh, awesome. I love this. And then also bringing in the uh, the element of like the animal. No one else has done that either. So it's just like maybe, maybe we're all unique enough that like, no one will have like a true repeat like you know the general sentiment may be the same because like the quality of time aspect has been like brought up before and that makes perfect sense um but just still getting to hear like these small little it, it goes i think it ties full circle back to like what you were saying about like like exploring even your neighborhood um that travel can just be exploring your neighborhood i think I don't know if like the the connection I'm trying to make is too far fetched, but I feel like there is some parallel to be drawn here. That's like, even if it feels familiar, like even if you don't think it's that interesting, like your your neighborhood or me asking the same question to like who who knows how many people I'm gonna ask this question right, to, right, right. like you can still discover something new oh, right? yeah, in totally. your neighborhood, or like someone's gonna bring in there because like we're all unique so like all our experiences mm -hmm. our thoughts are unique and even if we're gonna like explore the same topic like over and over again like everyone's gonna bring something a little different and that's that's why i love talking to people and that's why i love like re-exploring like things because you never know what you'll find exactly i think that's an awesome analogy and to be honest it's kind of like even if you know your city inside out it also depends on several factors like your mindset, your time of day, the time of day, you know, like that could all affect how you view the city. And in the same way, it affects how you talk about the answer. Like I could probably answer this completely differently tomorrow morning, you know, like right, and it's the same right. with everyone else. So I don't, to be honest, I don't think you'll get the same answer like ever, <laughs> right? Because it's such a like abstract kind of feelings type of question. It's not like a technical question, right? So yeah, that's an exciting way to end. Thank you so much, Noor, for such a fun and soulful conversation. Can I say that she has the perfect podcaster voice? It's so soothing to listen to. If you'd like to connect with her, her Instagram is at designdrawdo, and from that page, you'll be able to find her podcast, YouTube, newsletter, etc., etc. If you're feeling a little shy and need a personal introduction, of course, you can just reach out to me at Don't Be Strangers, and it'd be my pleasure to do that for you. And that's also the page where you can find the info about our Pen Pals Club as well. So I hope to see you there. Voice Vlogs entry number five. Today is Thursday, February 24th, 2020, and I'm on vacation in Oaxaca, Mexico. It's actually my second to last day here, and wow, the experience of revisiting a place is so interesting to me. But this time around, it feels quite different because last time I was here for a month, but I basically worked the entire time into Spanish classes three hours a day. 
This time was truly a vacation, and my husband and I attended a traditional mole cooking class, some salsa, dancing lessons, and even met up with my old Spanish teachers as friends catching up for coffee and food in the city. It's been really lovely, especially because I also missed out on the culinary arts aspect of visiting Oaxaca last time. I basically cooked almost all my meals in. More details of that in episodes 8 and 15 if you're curious. But this time, since it's vacation and also the celebration of my husband's birthday, we just allowed ourselves to indulge a little. Aside from this trip, we found out last Friday that there was a miscommunication with our Airbnb host, so this upcoming Monday, we're going to have to change homes. I confess I was quite stressed out Friday afternoon with the pivot and re-research of a home, even if I knew that everything would work out just fine. This is definitely one downside of a nomadic lifestyle, which is that problems are more likely to occur when your environment is always changing. But I think it's really worth the trouble. Also, I view it as a great way to practice flexibility, problem solving, and resilience. As always, if you listen to the very, very end here, I'd love to hear from you. Until we speak again, don't be a stranger!